Message is brought to you by Marker Cabono, President, National Federation of the Blind. Live the life you want. Greetings, fellow Federationists. Today is Monday, February 1st, 2021, and this is presidential release number 502. And I'm pleased to be speaking to you today from the National Federation of the Blind of Utah Auditorium at the Jernigan Institute. Uh, it's a new location for the presidential release live, getting ready for our Washington seminar. This is where we're going to host the Great Gathering in, which will be over a week from now. So I hope you'll tune in next Monday for that. I want to echo, uh, first let me tell you that here in the auditorium uh, behind me, we have the American flag over my right shoulder and the Federation flag over my left shoulder here in the auditorium. Uh, it's an empty room, so there's plenty of virtual spots for you to pull up a chair and uh, enjoy this presidential release. I want to echo Pam's sentiments and say, Happy Black History Month and uh, give a special shout out to uh, our black leaders, especially our board members who I'm learning from on a daily basis and who are guiding um, so much of our diversity and inclusion work in the National Federation of the Blind. It's an important month for us to uh, reflect on the work that has been done and the history that has been made, much like we have Meet the Blind Month, and we certainly don't want discussions about blindness to be limited to the month of October. We certainly don't want the contributions of uh, black Americans and certainly our leaders to be limited to this month, but we should celebrate this month and the tremendous work of, of those leaders. So thank you uh, to all of our black leaders out there for the work that you're doing, and I'm looking forward to many discussions about that topic this month. Before we talk about going forward, I do want to pause and reflect that just a couple of days ago, uh, June 29, we had the 10th anniversary of our Blind Driver Challenge. It was nice to have a little audio clip here in the pre-release session of that. Uh, we announced on Friday as part of the 10th anniversary that we are accelerating our accessibility work with the Blind Driver Challenge, our continued efforts to shatter misconceptions, pushing the boundaries of what is deemed possible. And for us, we're accelerating that Blind Driver Challenge by applying it to so many more areas of technology, not just automated vehicles, but we're really encouraging people to step up and take the challenge to include non-visual access and so many aspects of the technology that we encounter every day. We also, as part of our um, kind of rebrand of the Blind Driver Challenge, announced on Friday that we will be collaborating with Dan Parker. He's a graduate of the Louisiana Center for the Blind. We're collaborating with him uh, on our Blind Driver Challenge and especially on, on Dan's effort to build and operate a car to attempt to break the Guinness World Record 
for the fastest, uh, let's see, here it is, the fastest speed for a car driven blindfolded. This, in fact, is not a record for blind people. In fact, I think the Guinness World Record folks never expected a blind person to set the record, which is why it's the fastest speed for a car driven blindfolded. Well, the blindfold for Dan Parker will mostly be ceremonial because he's a blind person. And in the fall of this year, we'll be uh, working with Dan and he'll be attempting to set the record by driving independently at a speed above 200 miles an hour. You can read more about our refreshed Blind Driver Challenge efforts at blinddriverchallenge.org. Also, it's the 10th anniversary of the Journal of Blindness Innovation and Research. This is our peer-reviewed open source journal. 10 years ago, we determined that we would um, reframe what happens with research in the blindness field by opening it up to all people, not just those privileged enough to be able to afford a subscription, not just those who uh, are deemed professional enough to submit manuscripts. We have brought now for 10 years blind people into the Center of Blindness Research through JBIR. You can go to nfb.org and check out our 10th anniversary issue of the journal. And I would encourage you to write for this journal and express interest in research that you would like to see done from the perspective of blind people. And uh, of course, we have a, a number of great things in the Braille Monitor also this month that I'd like to call your attention to. So our publications continue to um, be an important vehicle for us to have discussions, some very interesting things in the Monitor this month. And I hope if you feel compelled, you'll uh, write for the Monitor. I often get asked the question of uh, who, who's allowed to write for the Monitor? This is your publication. Submit an article. Work with Gary Wonder, our editor. I know he would love to have your contributions, your reactions to things that are published there. I want to go back to our diversity and inclusion efforts to talk about a, a couple of things we have going on uh, this month, especially and into March. First of all, in uh, two weeks on February 15th, so right after our Washington seminar, we'll be launching a diversity and inclusion survey to gather some baseline information about how we're doing in the National Federation of the Blind, what the perceptions are, and that'll be our baseline for measuring uh, progress that we make in diversity and inclusion. I would encourage you to complete that survey and to all of our chapters, we know that there are folks that don't have access to the internet. This is gonna be a survey offered through SurveyMonkey our affiliates and chapters, please, please reach out to those folks that don't have internet access, don't have computers, and assist them to fill out the survey on SurveyMonkey. We need as many members as possible to complete this diversity and inclusion survey. As part of that, and, th and that survey is gonna inform uh, an initial training session we're gonna do for the national board and for affiliate presidents in March. This is anti-bias training that is gonna be offered um, through our staff here at the national office to 
uh, leaders of the Federation. This uh, was requested by our Diversity and Inclusion Committee, and that group has helped to shape this training. This is an initial set of trainings that we think will be important for our leaders, but then also help to guide and shape what we do going forward for Federation leaders. I should have said uh, that training will also be an offered initially to the national staff of the organization. Our Diversity and Inclusion Committee uh, does want you to know that on March 8th, uh, so a month from now, March 8th at 8 p.m. Eastern, the Diversity and Inclusion Committee will be holding an open diversity forum. Information uh, for that gathering will be sent out by the committee and its chairs, Sean Calloway and Colin Wong. Regarding this meeting, I encourage you to participate. Look for information about that coming in the next few weeks. I mentioned on the last release that uh, this year our independence market is going to be launching a number of sales every month. And this month, the market reports that uh, you can get your hands on the Kenneth Jernigan cornbread kit for just $15. What is the cornbread kit? Well, if you haven't been around very long, maybe you don't know. Uh, Kenneth Jernigan, uh, our longtime leader, uh, was a big fan of cornbread, and so he played with various methods to make it, at least from his perspective, what was the right way. And we sell a cast iron uh, muffin pan and some other materials as well as distribute the uh, recipe in print and braille as part of the kit. You can get it for $15 in the independence market. We've also been going through our old stock of canes and uh, we'll be offering a number of them on special coming up. We're, we currently have a carbon fiber uh, rigid long white cane with a metal glide tip that we'll be offering while supplies last in the market for $15. You can get that in sizes 49 to 69. Feel free to call the market and get more information about that. And also we have a couple of games, a solitaire and a uh, fox and goose board game that you can get in the market this month for $10. Check out our independence market items. Call up the market here at our national office to get more information. Uh, we continue to collect a lot of information about uh, accessibility barriers. And I want to remind you that we are investigating barriers and denials related to uh, unemployment benefits across the states. If you were terminated or laid off from your job within the past two years, uh, we would like you to take time to complete our survey. You can find it at nfb.org legal. This survey relates to unemployment websites and accessibility. Again, if you know of people in your chapter or affiliate who have been laid off in the past two years and might need assistance filling out this survey, please help them with that. This data is very important, especially as we consider our priorities in accessibility and making sure that government programs uphold their responsibilities to be accessible. 
Now, I said we're a week away from the great gathering in. I'll be in this room on Monday, a week from today at 5 p.m. Eastern time to kick off our great gathering in, which is the official kind of start to our Washington Seminar 2021. It's unfortunate we can't be together in person, but you know what? We still have a lot of great work to do. I want to give some time on this release to talk about our Washington Seminar 2021 and especially our legislative priorities for the Washington Seminar, which uh, we're not going to get done next week. We're going to need to be working on these issues and others throughout the year. So here to talk to us about the Washington Seminar is our Executive Director for Advocacy and Policy, John Perret. Thank you, President Riccobono, and good evening, Federation family. I'm so excited that we're just one week away from our 2021 Washington Seminar. Let me jump right into the issues. We have four issues planned for this year. As President Riccobono said, we, we work on a lot more, but the four that we're going to particularly focus on at Washington Seminar, first, the Access Technology Affordability Act. The purpose of this bill is to help uh, solve the problem of the high cost of access technology, whether screen reading software, braille displays, braille note takers, braille embossers. These things are all very expensive and this bill would help defer some of the cost. It provides for a $2,000 refundable tax credit. Refundable means that you would get a tax credit even if you didn't owe any taxes. So it's a $2,000 refundable tax credit for use over a three year period. The bill has been introduced just recently in the House. It's H.R. 431. We're hoping to have the Senate companion introduced uh, before Washington seminar. On the House side, the sponsor is again uh, Chairman Mike Thompson, the chairman of the uh, Tax Policy Subcommittee on Ways and Means, and our co-sponsor Mike Kelly, a powerful Republican from Pennsylvania. So that uh, is something that we came very close to doing in the 116th Congress, and I really think we can get it passed in the 117th. The next is the Medical Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act. The problem that this bill tries to solve or will solve is the large amount of inaccessible home-based medical devices. This is something that we, I, I bet you encounter as much as I do. You probably have encountered it even more during the COVID-19 pandemic, but whether we have a pandemic or not, this is an ongoing problem that must be resolved. We must, the lack of accessibility impacts safety and efficacy of these home-based medical devices. This bill would authorize the FDA to develop uh, regulations uh, and would create a, uh, ask them to put out a notice of proposed rulemaking NPRM after 12 months, a final rule after 24 months, and then companies would need to comply with the final rule 36 months all after passage. Enforcement of the regulations would be with the FDA. All right. Our third issue, our third issue has to do with the problem is the large number of inaccessible mobile apps and web websites. Again, this is probably like you uh, probably encounter like I do inaccessible apps almost every day and the same with websites. So what's the problem? The law requires the websites to be and mobile apps to be accessible. 
but there aren't regulations and there's not a clear cut statutory definition of just what accessibility means. This bill would, would solve that problem. It would create a clear cut statutory definition and it would authorize the access board who has a lot of experience developing these types of regulations to create non-visual, to create this non-visual accessibility regulations for mobile apps and websites. It would have a similar timeline, 12 months for an NPRM, 24 months for a final rule, and 36 months for companies to comply. Companies want regulatory clarity. So we expect support for this bill from the business community. Currently on these two bills, on the uh, uh, medical devices and the 21st century mobile apps, we're still looking for bill sponsors, but we have a lot of good uh, leads on people who are interested in doing this work with us. The fourth issue is something that I hope you did not experience, but maybe some, some many did, and that is problems with the voting in the uh, recent election or in previous elections. So this bill, the Americans with Disabilities Voting Rights Act would help ensure various accessibility of various aspects of voting. First of all, the, there's a tremendous increase in vote by mail or vote from home, and it would help mandate an accessible electronic ballot delivery. That's when the Board of Elections sends the ballot to you electronically and would help mandate electronic ballot return. So that's when you can return your ballot electronically when it's time to vote. But not everybody has the equipment at home to do that. So we would continue to mandate that the, that the equipment when you vote in person is also non-visually accessible. In many cases, that, are, that already is the law today, but not enough of the machines are non-visually accessible. And in many cases, the ballot is that they create is distinguishable from other ballots. This bill would eliminate that inequity that results in, in the lack of a secret ballot. It also would extend back to uh, registration when you're registering the vote, making sure that that isn't uh, accessible. So these four bills together would dramatically improve accessibility and uh, privacy and independence, self-sufficiency. It's something that I think would really improve the lives of all blind Americans. Now, we another bill I wanna mention just to help give you an idea that we keep working on other things. This past week, Bobby Scott did introduce the raise the wage bill, uh, that's HR 603, which has a section, section six, which would phase out and eliminate 14C. This is over a five year period. We support this portion of the bill and there's a very good chance that we get passed. Bobby Scott was our featured speaker one year ago at our great gathering in. And I know that we influenced his desire to really move this issue forward. Now, if you wanna get more information, and I hope you do on these issues, the fact sheets for each of the four issues can be found on our website. If you go to nfb.org slash Washington dash seminar. So our, it's a, you can go to our homepage, one thing, there's links off our homepage, nfb.org. You can go directly to nfb.org slash Washington dash seminar. 
The fact sheets are available in HTML, Word, audio, and Braille. We also have a, a sample mock meeting when you can hear us talking about each of the issues. And we also have the overall agenda for the Washington seminar with all of the Zoom links that's available in HTML and Word. So I hope, uh, hope to see you next week. And back to you, President Riccobono. Thanks, John, and thanks to our advocacy team for the great work putting together the Washington Seminar and all our affiliates that I know are putting in effort to schedule all these meetings. It's going to be a great week. I do encourage you to be with us on Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern. We'll be streaming live. You can get it on YouTube. It's going to be a great gathering as usual, even though we can't all be together. Seems like so long ago that year. Uh, that we were uh, last together in uh, Washington seminar. I do want to let you know that our students continue to be very active and you know the students um, have a lot of activities traditionally during the Washington seminar and they continue to bring the fun of their annual auction to the Washington seminar this year except you can participate from the comfort of your own home and I do encourage you to uh, support our students and their fundraising efforts for the great work they're doing. You can visit 32auctions.com. That's 32auctions with an S.com slash 2021 blind students. <clears throat> you can go there and view all of the uh, available items. You can bid on items up until February 10 at 11.59 Eastern Time. Go to 32auctions.com slash 2021 blind students and support <clears throat> the work of our National Association of Blind Students. The students, as usual, are having uh, their winter meeting on February 8th from uh, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern and after the great gathering in, the students will be again having a social available to everybody. This is called NABS Unmuted, February 8th from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. <clears throat> More information on the Washington Seminar webpage about those events. But I do encourage you to support our students who are um, truly our future leaders. And they're innovating a lot of great work for us in so many areas. So hats off to our students. Last month I talked to you about uh, the work of the National Federation of the Blind to be a more safe, welcoming environment and especially to support survivors of sexual misconduct within our organization. I want to give you a few updates especially as it relates to our survivor-led efforts in the National Federation of the Blind and again encourage you to get involved. First of all we announced last month that we're going to be launching training and that training is going to launch in late March for starting with NFB staff and training center staff and will continue throughout the month of April through 10 different sessions we will be training all national staff and contractors, all training center staffs and students, all national board members and affiliate board members, 
and all national division board members. Um, this training will be happening over a course of many weeks, and obviously there are other people that we need to train. But this is going to be close to a thousand people or something that we'll be training over a five-week period uh, to level set expectations and how to prevent uh, sexual misconduct within our organization. I'm very um, excited about the training that's being put together in collaboration with RAIN. Uh, all of those individuals I've just mentioned who are going to be trained will be uh, sent a training survey link uh, later this week. And we're asking people to uh, fill it out. It is an anonymous voluntary survey. We're asking those leaders who are going to be trained to fill out this survey so we can get some baseline information that will inform the level setting training we're doing with RAIN as our first step in this uh, safety and improvement process. Also, I want to give you some updates on the Federation's Code of Conduct. As you know, our Code of Conduct asks that we receive reports of incidents within a year of their happening. Now, we do that to try to encourage timely reporting so that we can deal with matters. But we're in a period right now where uh, we really want to contribute to our understanding of what has happened in the past and to find ways to improve the work that we're going to be doing going forward and to create greater healing within our organization. So the board of directors has asked that we put this uh, one-year ask on hold and we are asking individuals to submit um, information about incidents that may have happened in the organization regardless of time frame. Now we're going to ask for this through August 1st of 2020, so six months from today. And on August 1st, we'll revisit this decision and uh, see what other changes we make. But by the time we get to August 1st, we will have gone through a significant process with RAIN of looking at our code of conduct and especially attuning it to sexual misconduct and abuse and appropriate response to those situations. And so I do want to encourage you as part of our ongoing commitment to transformational change within our organization to submit past incidents through our code of conduct. Again, you can find the information on every single page of our webpage at the bottom. You can find the link to the code of conduct. I also want to let you know that uh, all of these incidents that are reported through our code of conduct process, especially the online form, and by calling the number here at the national office, are going to an external party that will be reviewing these matters on behalf of the organization. Those uh, two things are a direct result of our listening to survivors. And I want to thank those who have um, been vulnerable enough to share their experiences, their um, pain 
with us and their real suggestions for what we can do as an organization going forward. And I hope that these um, two things that we've uh, done over the last month, in addition to the ones that we've already announced, make a difference in creating healing. I want to remind everybody that no survivor should be forced to tell their story without their consent. And so it's really important that we work with survivors to make sure they feel comfortable reporting their story through our code process or, of course, by talking to our survivor-led task force by sending an email to survivors at nfb.org or visiting the survivors webpage. This month, we'll also be working to publish on our code web pages some initial frequently asked questions about the code of conduct process as it currently exists. Obviously, we're revamping it uh, as we speak, so the FAQs are shortly going to be uh, out of date and need to be updated, but we promised in our December 16 letter of apology that we would do this. So we're finalizing those FAQs. They will be up later this month. Also, on behalf of our survivor-led task force, uh, they wanted me to let you know that they have created three branches to the work that they are doing. And these are divided into training and culture, communications and engagement, and procedures and oversight. And you can get more information uh, about those branches and how you can get involved by again going to nfb.org survivors. The um, survivor-led task force will be holding a number of open meetings during the month of February to talk about each of those branches and how you can get involved. And we do need everybody, as many people as possible, to be involved in these efforts, not just survivors, but allies, uh, experienced uh, Federation members from many different areas. We need everybody's help to do the big lifting that we've been talking about making over the past month or so. And I again want to extend my very personal and sincere apology to anybody that has been harmed um, by programs, activities, things that have happened within our movement. I've been blessed to um, have the opportunity to listen to a number of survivors over the last month who have reached out to me directly, and I will continue to um, engage with survivors who reach out to me. It's been an important part of my learning process, and I um, believe that our survivor-led task force is doing a great job in uh, organizing and informing our work forward. So thank you to our survivor-led task force. Thank you to our diversity and inclusion committee for the transformational work that's happening within the Federation here in 2021. I do have um, two new members to welcome and thank for joining our Dream Maker Circle. Our Dream Maker Circle is how you can make an end-of-life commitment to the legacy of the National Federation of the Blind. Thank you very much to Douglas Miller of Albuquerque, New Mexico, and to Gabe Caceres of Houston, Texas, for being the newest members 
of the Federation's Dream Maker Circle. Reach out to Patty Chang here at our national office if you want more information about how to get involved. I have just a few Federation family news items here to give you uh, at the end of this release. I do have a correction, actually, from last month. I told you last month of the passing of Monica Meadows and the information I had said that she passed away from COVID-19. That, in fact, was not the case. Uh, Monica passed away from pneumonia, and her family especially wanted you to know that COVID did not take Monica from us. It was important to them, so I apologize for the error, and I continue to um, urge you to keep Monica and her family in your thoughts and prayers. Also, from our Tulsa chapter president, who is Brooke Nicole Anderson, She's reported the passing of Felicia Jones, who died on December 17 after a two-week battle with COVID-19. Felicia was 52. Our Maryland affiliate reports the passing of Dana Diaz, who is a member of the Greater Baltimore chapter, who passed away on January 19, 2021, after a long battle with illness. I encourage you to keep all of these Federation members in your thoughts and prayers and those who I may not have known about at the time of this release. We'll be back together on March 1st for our next presidential release, but we have a lot of month ahead of us. Looking forward to some Black History Month activities around the Federation. Looking forward to our Washington seminar, maybe to the snow melting. Uh, I know there's some great and interesting uh, affiliate activities in various places happening later this month in our first spring convention will be popping up later this month. So many great activities to enjoy. I wish everybody will stay safe continue to build the organization in the positive and safe direction we want it. And I want to thank you all for the work that you do every day to make America a better place for blind people. We'll see you a week from today on this very same stage, 5 p.m. for our great gathering in. Until then, we're going to leave you with some of the customary endings and say, let's go build the National Federation of the Blind. Hello, my name is Oscar Nicobano, and I have a joke for you. You do? Yes, I do. You do? Yes, I do. What do you call a pig pen in the middle of winter? What? what? A pig glue. Uh... I know, I'm hilarious. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Nicobano, and I have a joke for you. Okay, tell us. What's the joke? This is because of the Super Bowl. What football team carries the most luggage? Mm, all of them. Don't know. The Green Bay Packers. Oh. <laughs> they went packing in their last game. Hi, I'm Oriana, and I'll be telling you a joke. Okay. Where did Mr. and Mrs. Snowman go for their last anniversary? Mm. An ice cream factory. Yeah. Don't know. Hawaii. The preceding message was brought to you by Mark Riccobono, President, National Federation of the Blind, Office of the President at nfb.org. 
410-659-9314, www.nfb.org. Let's go build the National Federation of the Blind.